Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on How, Discovering God's Heart for His People. Again, we're in this series that we've titled How. Last week we talked about how to study the Bible. And if you missed it, please get online. All the notes are there. I believe one of the things that will grow you in your faith is learning how to study the Word of God. The week before that, we dealt with the question, how do we know the will of God? And we talked about how we can know the will of God and walk in the will of God. Now, next week, oh, I'm going to talk about how to deal with death. How do we deal with it? We live in a culture that does not know how to grieve or mourn or hurt very well. And I bought a book this week. This is all intro before I even get to where I want to go. But I bought a book this week. I've I told you months ago that I have an app called BookBub, B-O-O-K-B-U-B, and every day I kind of laid out what I like to read, and Rick, this week on BookBub, on Tuesday, I opened it up, and it had a book for $1.99 called The Confessions of a Funeral Director, and I'm like, hmm, and I started reading up on this guy, and I bought that book, and I'm about nine chapters into it right now. Here's the interesting thing. Think about it, Hazel. Confessions of a funeral director. And people say, hmm, you know what the problem is? We don't want to talk about death. We don't want to think about death. We don't even want to deal with death when we are confronted with death. And most of us don't know how to process that. And as a culture, we don't know how to grieve. We don't know how to hurt. We don't know how to give people space. I'm going to deal with that next week. And I think it will help us as we press into the gospel. Now, today, as we talk about uh, how to share our faith, there's something I think is important for you to understand. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, basically deal with uh, passages on the gifts that God's given us, spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, it says that he gave some, he, God, gave some, and it's apest, A-P-E-S-T, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, which is the word pastor, and some to be teachers. Now, here's what it says about the pastor-teacher. He gave these gifts for the equipping of the saint. So God has called us as pastors and teachers to equip other people. He goes on to say to equip the saints for the work of the service. So it is our responsibility as individuals to be about the work of the service. Now, the work of the service is about walking in the Spirit, sharing the gospel with other people, ministering to others, coming alongside when other people are hurting and knocked down. God's called us to be his ambassadors and his witnesses, but it is the fundamental primary responsibility of a pastor-teacher to equip the body of Christ. Never in Scripture are we told as pastors and teachers and shepherds that our primary responsibility is to entertain. We live in a culture today where for so many, church has become a space of entertainment, not equipping. Do you hear me? God has called us to equip. Our heart is to see you, Kenneth, Angela, I could go around, is to see you live out the unique mission 
with the new uh, unique opportunities that God gives you every day. We want to see you thoroughly equipped so that wherever you're at and whoever you're with and whatever's going on, that you're living out your faith in the context of the world in which you find yourself. That is the heart for our staff. We want to see you engaged in your world. Now, when you start to look at it, and I like what Oz Hillman said. He said, Jesus ministered among the people. Jesus never brought a person to the synagogue for healing. Jesus never brought a person to the synagogue so that they could be saved. Jesus was constantly in the world with the people. And he hung out with some roughnecks. I mean, you talk about tax collectors, prostitutes, those who were down and out, even those who were burned out on religion. Jesus was constantly engaging in the workplace and in the marketplace. When you start to even look at the life of Christ, Jesus had 132 public appearances in the New Testament 122 of those appearances that we read about were in the workplace, marketplace among people. Out of the 40 miracles that are recorded in the book of Acts, 39 of them took place out amongst the people just in regular workplace, marketplace environments. Do you hear me? The majority of ministry and impact and influence is taking place as you're out with people. Our heart is to see you thoroughly equipped, fired up about Jesus so that wherever you're at, you become the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. At the end of our time today, when we enter into prayer and communion, there is a group of our men, and uh, we're going to meet up here to my left in front of the cross, but we've got a group of men, about 10 or 11 tomorrow, leaving to go to Mexico to serve and minister for the next week. We're going to pray over these guys and really just lift them up. But they are going to go be with people. You're with people every day. And the question is not are you going to see people. It's who are you going to see and how are you going to engage with them. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Very, very simple but yet pivotal passage. Listen to what he says. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and the power that you're going to receive, you shall be, not might, not could, but you shall be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. Here is the promise. Now, here's where we land. We believe that when a person repents of their sin and presses into Christ and receives Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, that person is given the Holy Spirit. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you do anything for it? No. I repented. I asked Christ to save me. Because when I come to faith, I embrace the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. People have asked me, do you believe in a second filling of the Spirit? In the context of Acts 19, no, it's misrepresented in the text. But I believe as a believer, I believe in a second, in a tenth, in a twentieth, in a thousandth, and a millionth filling of the Holy Spirit because my flesh sometimes takes over and I need to be refilled. 
So every morning, it's like, Lord, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for pouring the Holy Spirit inside of me. But Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to point out any sin in my life, anything that would hinder the work of the Holy Spirit, and I want to walk with you today. I want to be used by you today. So the scripture says, and this was the early disciples, and this was 50 days after Jesus had been crucified and buried and raised. He's like, go to this room, lock yourself in, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell, and he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That is the promise. Here's the assignment. You will, you shall be my witnesses. The word for witness in the Greek is the word martyr, and it means that some of you will literally die for taking the gospel to your world. And when you start to read the life of Peter and Thomas and many others, they died martyrs' death. They were witnesses, but they were willing to die for their faith. So what are you going to do? I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit going to give you? The Holy Spirit's going to give me power. The word there in the Greek is the word dunamis, which means you're going to have the power of God. Now, one of my favorite verses is Romans 8.31, and it says, If God is for you, who can be against you? Love it. But I like the fact that God is in me more than just the fact that God is for me because if God is in me, I've got the power, the dunamis of God. I'm never alone. Wherever I am, find myself in life, wherever I am, there's always four. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are always with me, and I am always with them. Now, Tim, as a result, you're going to be my witness. Witnessing is not showing God what you can do for him. I think a lot of people think that. Well, I'm going to go out and witness. I'm going to go out and show God what I can do for him. God don't need you showing him what you can do. Witnessing is telling and expressing to to other people what God has done for you. I'm going to go witness, meaning I'm available to be used by God to tell others and express to others what God has done for me. Now, God has called us to be witnesses, not lawyers, and that takes a lot of pressure off of many of us sitting here. I don't have to know all the theology. I don't have to be able to break down necessarily to witness what eschatology, study of end times is, or even apologetics, how to rightly defend the truth to all different people groups. No, I don't have to have all the arguments down of predestination and election. I, I I'm a witness. Let me tell you what he's done for me. And I can express and tell others, here's what the gospel has done in my life. So you are called to be a witness. Now, here's what I know to be true about every person here. You talk about what you value. Every day, you find yourself in conversations, and you will always talk about whatever it is that you value the most. You will pursue what you're most passionate about. You give your time, your money, your energy, your resources to what really matters to you. So you have to stop and go, well, God has called me to be his witness, and I should value the relationship with Christ. Above all, what do I talk about? Jesus even said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also. So you've got to ask the question, if I claim that Christ now owns my heart, he's the Lord, master, ruler of my heart, is that really what leaks out of me in my conversation? 
Because this time of year, you can hear people talk, and it's like, oh, I thought you loved Jesus and Jesus was supreme, but if we're not careful, we're talking about how terrible Georgia's offense is, or how bad the Falcons suck yet another week, or how the Braves that you talk about what you value. You're going to talk about something. Jesus said, I am sending you out. Go and make disciples of all nations. My master, my authority, my Lord, my ruler said, I'm sending you out into the world. He even sent them out in pairs early on. But then the church became scattered and persecuted. And he goes, I'm sending you out into the world. And I'm sending you out to represent me, to represent me, to reflect who I am to your world. So you've got to ask the question, what is your world? Who are the people that you're engaged with? And it's so important. Here's the truth. The message never changes. The methodology does. As I go out and share Christ, as I go out and become his witness to my world, the what defined, the how flexible. There's no cookie-cutter approach when it comes to going out and being salt and light. I'll get to that. There's no cookie-cutter method. What do you do? i got to know the gospel. i got to know the centrality of the gospel. I'll break that down in a bit. But the gospel is simple. But the methodology, how you do it, according to who you're talking to, according to your own personal story, your how may be a little different, but the what is defined. The what is objective. The how is subjective, meaning you're the subject. Now, 1 Peter 3, sanctify Jesus Christ as Lord in your heart. Sanctify Christ as the Lord of your life. Sanctify means to set him apart as master, ruler, authority, controller. Sanctify Christ as Lord, and as a result of this, you now need to be ready and prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have within you. People are going to come saying, hey, give me an account. Hey, tell me why you believe what you believe. Well, tell me what, tell me what you believe is the essence of a even being on the planet, the four basic questions, origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. What's your view on origin? What's your view on meaning, man's purpose? Is there a standard of right and wrong, of morality that we're to live by? Yeah. Tell me your views on destiny. And be ready when people come to you to, to witness and give an answer. Hey, here's what I believe and why. You can do that. All of us are called, you shall be my witnesses. Now, he says when you do it, do it with incredible gentleness and reverence, meaning I want to give incredible reverence to God as I go out, but I want to be gentle with the people that I'm talking to. Bill Hybels, who pastored Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago for years, he shared this. He said, you want to, you want to hear three ways to turn off a non-believer in a heartbeat? I'm like, yeah, how do you turn them off? He said three ways. Number one, in-your-face Christianity. He said, that doesn't work. When you start to force spiritual conversations on people and the timing's not right, you're coming in like a stuck horn. Man, I got to tell these people about the Lord. It's get right, get left. It's turn and burn, brother. We got to go out into the streets. Can I tell you? I violated people early on in my Christian faith. My introduction to sharing Christ was an in-your-face approach. 
It was confrontational evangelism, they called it. Only knew what I knew. Hey, man, we're going to go out. We're going to hand out tracts, and we're going into parking lots, and we're going to. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was in your face. Instead of meeting a person and getting to know their name and their story and anything about them, it was, hey, if you were to die today and stand before God and God should say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell him? Are you serious? That doesn't work. Jeff, we've been a part of that, brother. Some of that marinade of yours gone by. It doesn't work. Here's another approach that don't work, and I've seen this one modeled. The holier-than-thou approach don't work. Oh, I'm glad I'm not as jacked up as you are. I'm glad I'm a lot better than you are. Uh, 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 I'm telling you right now, man, you're a sinner, dude. You're on your way to hell. Who were you before you met Jesus? I'm telling you, I've met so many people that have the holier-than-thou approach, and I'm like, do you really think you're witnessing for Jesus? Jesus hung out with drug addicts and prostitutes and thugs and thieves And these people often came to sit at his feet to listen to him because he had compassion and kindness and love, and he was offering them hope. Here's another one. Cosmetic Christianity does not work, and it is absolutely saturated in the Bible belt. Cosmetic Christianity is when it's about skin deep. Yeah, it's about an inch deep. I mean, you kind of wear the face. You know enough jargon, but when you're pressed, You're like, man, you ain't got no substance in you. And that's the problem with so many in the church today. There's sizzle, but there's no substance. That's the problem that I personally have, that this right here is a platform to equip others. This is not a stage to entertain and be applauded. And we've lost it. It's almost like we've created a stage and eliminated the altar. There. We want to see people repent. We want to see people restored. We want to see people meet Jesus. But we live in such an entertainment culture today. And it's like so many people that you meet, they're a mile wide and an inch deep. They don't have any substance to them. And when you squeeze them, it's like you don't have anything going on. That kind of Christianity doesn't work. Hybel said costly Christianity works. When people know that it costs you something to follow Christ, and they see you go through adversity and difficulty and pain, they're like, that guy really believes what he believes. I mean, his faith is on trial, man, and he has absolutely weathered it. I mean, he's serious about it. Another one is compassionate Christianity. That works when you're not so consumed with just your doctrine, but you're more consumed with loving your neighbor. We'll tell you in a heartbeat, Rick, Nick, Dustin, all of us, when we sit around and talk, we care about doctrine. Doctrine is important to us, but doctrine don't save anybody. The blood of Jesus saves people. And it's when we have a compassionate, caring, kind heart toward neighbor who is absolutely just jacked up. They just, they want to know somebody who loves them. Hey, man, you really love me. I do. You really care about me. Another one is consistent Christianity. I mean, that right there, people look and go, man, you're persistent. You're, you're, you're consistent in this thing. I mean, you really walk this out. 365, 24-7. I mean, you've got struggles and pain and problems, but you really live out this faith that you say you believe every day. It's like, I, I, I do. Jesus said in Matthew 5, listen to what he said. He goes, guys, listen, you, I'm telling you, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. That is who you are. That is your identity. That, that is you. Salt preserves, it flavors, it cleanses. Hey, when you're in a, 
when you're out in the world, you're salt to the world. You preserve, you add flavor to it. I mean, I mean, you enhance what the world is about, you being in it. You're the light of the world. When you walk in, you bring the illumination of God, even in the midst of darkness and chaos. You're the light. Therefore, let your light shine before men in such a way that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your soul, your light. Come on, add some flavor and taste to where you're at. Illuminate that room that you walk in. Come on, just let the Holy Spirit leak through you. And I'm like, yes, yes. And that is me and you. Again, you're in the workplace, you're in the marketplace. I don't know if you're teaching. I don't know if you're working construction. I don't know what your job is. But you're out there working with people and meeting with people every day, and there's teed up opportunities to share the hope that you have within you. Now, here's something crucial for me. I started thinking through it. This is so practical that every one of you can do this. What is your motivation, Tim? What motivates you to share the love of Christ with your world? Well, one, he, he told me I was going to be his witness, but I started thinking through this. There's three things, eternal life, empty life, and even the experiences of my own life. Let me break it down. What motivates you in sharing with others? Eternal life. We are all going to spend eternity somewhere. We're either going to spend it in the presence of God or potentially alienated and separated from the presence of God forever. Every person I meet is going to spend eternity somewhere. Jesus, Jesus, and even the writer of Hebrews would say, it's appointed to man to die once and then stand before the judgment. I'm going to give an account for the way I live life. Paul would even say in, in 2 Corinthians, every person is going to be recompensed for what they've done in the body, rewarded. What motivates you, Tim? Eternity. Every person is going to spend eternity somewhere. Now, you have the opportunity to impact your world. I was talking to my buddy Ted, all right? So Ted has been a friend of mine for about 20 years. And I, I, I met Ted when I was doing sports ministry years ago. Ted is a major league umpire. Ted is a crew chief in Major League Baseball. Ted Barrett. Ted is an ordained minister. Ted has his master's in theology. Ted started a ministry called Calling for Christ where he's infiltrating the lives of umpires. So Ted and I talked this week. And uh, I reached out to him and I said, how are you doing? Praying for you guys. Man, it's sad to hear about Coop. He writes me back. Hey, dude, what's the chance of me and you talking? So Ted and I set up a phone call. So Ted was flying in on Friday, and yesterday, Ted was doing a funeral for Eric Cooper, who was a major league umpire who died. Double knee, uh, work done the other day, and he had a blood clot, and he died. And Ted started telling me that Joe Torrey and all the front office brass of MLB was going to be there, all these other umpires, so many people were going to be at this funeral. And he knew that his last conversation with Coop was over, that Coop now was in eternity. And we started talking through that. Ted goes, I want to make sure that I do everything I can to minister to the people that are there, but to let them know that there's hope in Jesus' name. I said, Ted, that is so cool. He goes, be praying for Chuck. I said, yeah, what's up with Chuck, man? He's like, he's dying of cancer, and Chuck don't have many more days left. Well, Chuck Mayweather, uh, Mayweather was an umpire in the big leagues for years. Chuck was one of the first black guys to, to get a lot of these World Series games and All-Star games and all this. While Ted was doing the funeral yesterday in Des Moines, in Nashville, Chuck died. 
He said, Chuck asked me to do his funeral too. Now, listen to me. You know those guys that wear those kind of dark blue or black uh, outfits, and there's four of them usually unless they're in the playoffs, and then there's six? Those guys that walk out on the field and everybody's booing and everybody's dog cussing them umpires? My buddy Ted is like standing in the gap. My buddy Ted's out there ministering amongst minor league, major league umpires, even ministering to players while he's on the field. And Ted said, you know what? I've been called to be his witness wherever I'm at. And I'm like, Ted, you've you got to. And eternity, Ted, I know two of my buddies, man, that I've spent so much time with are dead. I promise you nobody wants to talk about death. We want to dismiss it. We don't want to deal with it. We live in a culture. Take this little blue pill where you don't have to feel the pain of it. I'm confronted with my brevity every day. It is appointed to Tim Cash to die and stand before God. And so it is for you. Does that motivate you, Tim, in sharing Christ with others? Yes. The second thing is the reality of an empty life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Do you know what I know based on personal experience? Life is empty apart from Christ. When you do not submit to the lordship of Christ, and you do not allow Christ to champion your heart, there is so many stories in this room right now of emptiness with drugs, alcohol, sexual addiction, all kinds of different pain, Divorce, betrayal, people that were chasing after money. Drew, there's so many stories in this room right now that people go, life is empty apart from Christ. Solomon even said in Ecclesiastes, I tried everything under the sun. The phrase under the sun in Ecclesiastes means I tried doing life apart from God. I tried to do life on my own without including God. And he goes, it's chasing after the wind. One of the things that motivates me in sharing Christ with the world, his life is empty without him. Here's a third thing, Jeff. Uh, one of the things that motivates me is the experiences of my own life. Man, I can tell you the radical transformation that's happened in me. And the experiences of my own life, man, it, it is absolutely the game changer for me. I know where I was. I know who I met. I know how he's changed me. I know how he's led me. And I was reading through Acts chapter 26 where Paul is before Agrippa and Ephesus and all these guys. Listen to this right here. And, and so they're, they're starting to look at Paul and question Paul. And Paul basically says five things. He goes, uh, let me tell you who I was. It's part of his story. Let, let, let me tell you where I was in life. Let me tell you how lost I was. Even Paul would later say in Timothy, I was the chief of sinners. I was so jacked up. And then he says, uh, not only where he was, but he goes, uh, let, me, let me tell you what I saw. Man, I was walking down the Damascus Road, and bam, this bright light just uh, knocked me down. Let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you what I heard. A voice from heaven said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Let me tell you how I got up and started to obey him. Let me tell you how I've continued. You want to share five things in just your personal story? Man, let me tell you where I was. Man, let me, let me tell you what I saw. And I saw the kindness and goodness of the Savior. I saw a God willing to nail his only son to a cross. Let me, let me tell you what I heard. Come to me, Tim, if you're tired and weary. and I'll give you rest. 
Man, let me tell you how I obeyed God. Let me tell you how I've continued for 34 years. The experiences of my own life scream that redemptive hope is available for every person. That you don't have to stay lost. You don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to wallow in sin. I can tell you from personal experience, I'm motivated to be plucked out of the ruins of darkness, to transfer into the kingdom of light by the power of the gospel. I'm like, what a transfer! To be taken out of miry clay, as David would say, and to have my feet put on the rock of Christ. I'm like, he's put a new song in my heart. He's given me reason for living. What motivates you? If you're not motivated, you're not going to do it. And I started thinking from personal experience, man, I've got to be motivated. Then what's the method? Here's a simple, simple method. I just wrote it out this week as I was thinking through. How do you witness all right, even if I take the word witness and just say, all right, break it down. W, witness. Who has God allowed me to connect with? Who do I continue to have interaction or intersection with? There's people that God's bringing into your world. There's people that you're meeting at work, meeting at the ball field, wherever you're at. I write down the W. Who is God intersecting my life with? Who am I starting to spend time with? Who am I starting to have beyond just surface conversation with. God's put those people in your life. I, initiate communication with them. Hey, what's the chance of getting your phone number? Hey, hey, what's the chance of getting your email? Reach out and initiate. Most people are reactors and responders. God's called us to be witnesses, which means, hey, initiate with those people around you. Now, for me, I use the ABCDE approach, but even when I start to notice, who am I intersecting with? Why does God continue to bring this person into my life? I mean, we're starting to build some relational equity here. Initiate with them. And as you initiate, you start to get to know a little bit more about their story. Here, 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 here's, the, here's the reality. I write down A, B, C, D, and E for me. Oh, this person is an A. They're apathetic toward the gospel. That's cool. But at least I know I'm interacting with them, engaging with them, and there's some, tra uh, there's some traction in the relationship. Bs, this is so, I promise you this is simple. You can do this. This person is becoming interested, but they're not willing to repent and surrender yet. But at least they're becoming interested in spiritual conversations. I'm like, that's a cool place to be. Then I talk to them different. This person is a C. They confess Christ, but they're brand new. They don't have much root system in them yet. But at least they're confessing, yes, I believe in Jesus. Okay, how do we move them along? D, this person is developing as a disciple. Man, that's really cool right there. What kind of information and literature can I share with them? E, these people are able to equip others. How can we iron sharpen iron here? Does this make sense to you? So I'm, I'm looking going, who is God intersect, intersecting my life with? Am I willing to initiate? And then the T is take time to ask questions. Hey, tell me your story. Now, one of the things I've included is once you start to know their name, where they work, different things, I promise you, you can play hero, hardship, and highlight with them. And when I say play it, I'm not saying it's a game. I'm saying it's a tool, Nick, to get information from them. You look and go, hey, who's your hero? We've been hanging out a little bit. Uh, what, what person has influenced you the most. Uh, when you look over your life, I mean, you told me you're 40 years old, man, no way. I mean, who's been a hero in your life? That's subjective. That's a good piece of information. Uh, uh, share with me uh, a highlight that you've had in the last week. I've had a highlight in the last week, haven't you? 
I've had a highlight in the last day, in the last week. I mean, I can look back if I choose to be thankful and I'm looking for reasons to give gratitude and praise to God. There's all kinds of things happening on any given day. I mean, seriously, we see what we're looking for. I was meeting with Jason Horde. Jason is a musician. Right now, he, he was telling me that he's doing some stuff with Shane and Shane, casting crowns, producing for them. But Jason, he, he wants to meet about every two weeks uh, from a mentoring standpoint. So I was spending time with him the other day. And I, I said, you know, when an artist comes into the studio, uh, how much time do you spend getting to know their heart? And he, he, we were talking through this. And I said, Jason, I promise you if you use hero hardship and highlight with them, you can get to know more about who they are. And as a result, you can even encourage more of their personality to come out in their music. And he goes, dude, I love that. And this was Wednesday morning, and he goes, all right, in the last week, share a highlight. So I'll, I'll share a highlight from yesterday. I mean, there's highlights every day if we look for them. But I said, my, my, my girl Hannah started driving, and yesterday was her first day driving over to the church by herself. That was really cool. But I said, the problem was it was raining. So her first maiden voyage was in the rain. And, and so I was like, all right, Hannah, here's the deal. What about if I drive and I get ahead of you, you follow me, That'll be close, but you can do this by yourself, and then you need to get gas, and you don't know how to get gas, and I'll show you how to put a credit card in and how to, how to do that stuff at Kroger to get gas. What, what, about, what about you follow me? Now, hold on. Here, here's how you turn on the lights. That little thing right there, yes, this one over here is for the blinker. This one right here will do the windshield wire. You see it? Oh, how, how do you get it to go that speed? Down? And so, Jeff, I got to show my little girl how to do that, and she followed me. We get out at Kroger. I said, now, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you how to pump gas. She's like, all right, do I use my debit card? I said, yes, because you're not using my credit card. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're going to use your debit card. But anyway, you walk through that with a person. And I said, that was a highlight. Every day there's highlights. Something just stops. Ah, look at that. I mean, every day life is a tragedy, a comedy, and a fairy tale. And there's going to be a fairy tale highlight moment. You go, that was cool. Just stop and look at it. Hardship. Oh, what are you going through right now? Anything weighing you down? The universal language is suffering. So if I'm witnessing and I'm taking time to get to know the person, man, they share with me hero, hardship, a highlight, and I'm like, man. And then the end is notice something they shared. Notice a concern. I promise you when you're hanging out with people, Rick, they will share with you something. You go, man, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. How long has she been sick? How long has she been battling that? Or, man, I'm so sorry to hear that you're going through this right now. If you notice ground, you can stop and go, hey, would you, would you be okay if I prayed for your mother right now? I've never had anybody tell me, no, I don't want prayer. They're like, yeah, but I've, I've initiated conversation. I've taken the time, and then I start to notice, ah. And then the E is express your story. Hey, would you be cool if I shared with you kind of my story, where I'm at right now in life? Absolutely. Now, I've spent time. I've earned the right to be even listen to their story. I've earned the right for them to open up their heart. I've earned the right maybe even for me to ask them questions. And, I, and, and maybe I've reached the place where I've earned the right to maybe share my heart. Hey, would you mind if I express my story, who I was before Christ, how I met Christ, and how Christ has changed me? Oh, yeah. That, 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 yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. Now, I'm not telling them that's my three parts, but hey, here, here's kind of where I find hope and joy today myself. 
You shall be his witnesses. Express your story. The S for me, sincerity is crucial. Ah, you got to be sincere when you're hanging out with whoever it is. I don't care if I'm on an airplane, in a locker room, in church, walking through Kroger. Sincerity is crucial. How are you doing? How are you feeling today? How's your week going? And when people know that you're sincere, again, man, the kindness and compassion that God wants to leak through you to let that person know their story matters, man, be sincere. St. Francis, he's accredited with this, but he said, hey, preach the gospel. And when necessary, use words. Be sincere, love them. And then the S is keep it simple. Simplicity of the gospel is crucial. It's good news. What is the good news? If it's good news, share it as good news. Don't confuse it. And I promise you, write this down. I'm trying to help coach you up where you will be salt and light and you will witness this week. I was in a Bible study about 10 years ago. My buddy, Shepper, I'll never forget, Brian Shepherd was looking at me and he goes, all right, Cash, share the entire Bible in as few words as possible. I'm like, whew, share the Bible in as few words as possible? He goes, I've got it down to 15 words. I remember I went home and I was like, all right, if I had to share the entire Bible in as few words as possible, how would you do it? I started working on this, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. And I finally started reducing it down, reducing it down, and I felt like, yes, I got it. So I called him. I said, Shep, I got it in nine words. He goes, how? Oh, you got it in 15. I got it in nine. Because everything's competition to dudes, right? <laughs> right? But I'll never forget this. And I was like, listen to this, Kara. This helped me out big time. I was like, here is the Bible in nine words. God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void without form. God created. Yes, I can start there. Second point, man separated. Man willfully sinned and walked away from God. God created, but yet man separated. Third point, Jesus reinstated. Oh, he came with the heart of heaven. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I can share off of that. Jesus reinstated. And then Holy Spirit infiltrated. I don't have to walk in my own power anymore. Can I tell you something? I can take those nine words and go, all right, I'm going to hang my testimony right here on these four points. God created. You believe God created you? Yeah. You don't believe in the theory of evolution? No. You believe that there is a designer and a creator that made man in his own image? Yes. God created. Do you believe that every man was born into the world sinful, a sinner? Do you believe through one man's sin, Adam, death spread to all men, all of sin? Yeah. I can talk about sin. I can talk about how, how Jesus came as the Lamb of God and reinstated the heartbeat of heaven. And I can talk about how the Holy Spirit fills my life. You're going to have opportunity. Are you willing to fulfill the assignment that God has called you to? I've got a witness. Who is God putting in your life? Who is God putting on your heart? What do you need to do to become that witness? 
and that taker of the gospel to the world in which you live. You're going to meet people when you're installing glass this week. But you're going to meet people as you're out doing stuff with U-Haul. You're going to meet them. There's going to be people coming to our recovery class. You're going to meet them. Am I willing to be God's witness? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witness. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart and always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have within you. So in your insert, on the back, it's like, all right, there's a space for four. You may need more. But who is the Lord putting on your heart right now that you need to initiate with? God's already started to intersect you. Who am I going to initiate with? Who am I going to reach out to? T, who am I going to take the time to sit down with and say, hey, man, how are you doing? Tell me your story. Then I'm going to write down any of those kind of needs that I feel. Notice the needs. Something's going on. Jamie, what are we dealing with this week? I mean, people going through health issues, all kinds of stuff. I'm dealing with a situation right now with a, a family. Kid cut his wrist the other night, 24 years old, been interacting. I'm like, man, there's, there's pain there. How can we minister? How can we serve? How can we love? There's, there's stuff going on in your world every day. Will you express your story this week? Hey, would you mind if I shared just three minutes of, like, my story? Absolutely. I'd love to hear it. Be sincere and keep the gospel simple. God created. Man separated. Jesus reinstated. The Holy Spirit infiltrated. And, Steve, we have that opportunity to take the gospel to Loganville and beyond. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website we have old messages and archived series so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.